0: In which case, if we're going to make comparisons (laughs) like that, I mean, O Church Arise is really, really similar to Pachelbel's canon because (laughs) they're written in
1: D. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Hymn Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Monet Funke. And I'm Cara Devro.
0: Today we're talking about another one of those aggressive Christian hymns. We'll be looking at O oh, Church Arise. Is it too fighty? How old is it actually? And is it just a cheap knockoff of In Christ Alone?
1: Ooh, shots fired. But first, if you're listening to us for the first time or for some odd reason you have yet to join the Hymn Partial family, Head over to impartial.com where you can do several things. You can sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can become a Kofi member and support us financially. It really does help. And if you're a big fan of what you hear today, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like and share this episode, or do all of the above. We are on a mission to encourage Christians everywhere to think, pray, and consider how we worship God through music. So go to himpartial.com and join us today.
0: Okay, we're going to completely ignore my last point about what we're going to talk about um, for now, <laughs> and you're just going to have to be left in suspense. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, you know, funny thing about "O Church Arise" is I don't know why, but I thought this hymn was older than it actually is. Okay, I oh. thought I I thought it was a Getty revamp of an old song. Oh, but it's not. They wrote it. Oh yeah, so Stuart Townend and Keith Getty wrote it in two thousand and five ish.
1: Ooh, okay. I don't. I
0: don't know if it was a language or something, but um, yeah, it does feel old. So like, I have theories, but we'll we'll get to that. Okay. Um. Yeah. So if you've only just started listening to the podcast in the last year or so, you might not know that we actually already have an episode with Keith Getty. It's worth going back and listening to. It was a joy to speak to him Mm -hmm. um we had a great time and yeah we'd like to speak to Stuart Townend
1: as well but we'll see if you know Stuart Townend tell him that the ladies (laughs) at Impartial really want to talk to him (laughs) hook us up man (laughs) we'll give him a free t-shirt yeah there you go
0: (laughs) now we all have to do that anyway um, yeah, Keith is such fun to talk to. He was a good sport, and he participated in last year's Christmas games as well, which mm-hmm. were great fun. I really enjoyed yeah. those. Um, he's a well-known modern hymn writer from Ireland. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need much introduction. He's married to Kristen Getty. They write music together. They do conferences and things. Uh, he's
1: probably—is he from Ireland? Ireland, like proper Republic of Ireland? Sounds like he is. I wasn't sure if they're from Ireland or from Northern, Northern Ireland.
0: Ireland. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, is maybe you've got me like, Maybe from Northern Ireland and he's from Ireland. She sounds more. I'm trying to think what they sound like because they just sound a bit more American now, so it's harder to tell. It is
1: harder to tell, but maybe she
0: does sound a bit more Northern Irish in my does, head, but I might be making that up.
1: I'll Google it while you continue.
0: Anyway, so yeah, the two of them are married. Um, they split. I think they split their time between the states and Ireland. Um, yeah, he's probably one of the best known hymn writers of his day. Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, she awarded him, uh, I'm not going to say o- the letters. Is it an OBE? She I he, think he definitely it is got o- a knighthood. So he's technically Sir Keith Getty.
1: Um, yeah. Let me check. Okay, so he's from Northern Ireland.
0: Oh, I do apologize. I, I'm this, glad. for our non-Brits, it's an this important is, distinction between Northern Ireland it, yes. and the Republic of Ireland. He's from
1: Northern Ireland. It, it is OBE. And Kirst, Kristen is from Northern Ireland as well. Okay.
0: I knew she sounded it. but I thought She does have more. Maybe she's sounded got a year. republic. Yeah. yeah. Dunno. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, I did learn something new about him from Hymnery.org, mm-hmm. though, which I don't know if it's true or not. Mm-hmm. Apparently his, his he's also known as Julian Keith Getty. Julian? Yeah, I don't know if that's something makey-uppy someone's put on there or what whether like that's his full name. And then <gasps> That is his first name. I didn't even see it was right there.
1: Julian. Wow. He's not King Julian.
0: He's just Sir Julian. Like. Sir <laughs> <So laughs>
1: Julian Keith Getty.
0: Yeah. So There you go. Something you didn't know about the Getty's. The more or at you least know. The Getty's. <laughs> yeah. So his co- co-writer, Stuart Townend, mm-hmm. also from our side of the pond, mm-hmm. uh, he grew up in Yorkshire, mm-hmm. where you get the best tea, by the way as the youngest son of an Anglican vicar. He developed an interest in music quite young and has been a significant influence on modern hymnody too. So he's known for songs like How Deep the Father's Love for Us. My jam. Yep, Beautiful Savior. Mm-hmm. And uh, This the Power of the Cross. Mm-hmm. So oh,
1: oh. yeah, he wrote that one. Oh, the cross, that one. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. so the dynamic duo strike again. Yeah. Uh, the two of them wrote In Christ Alone Together uh, they often team up to write songs, and they're usually pretty good. Yeah. So did you know this was a modern hymn?
1: I had no idea. I thought this was a much older song. And then in your intro, when you said, is it a knockoff? I was like, oh, rude. But then actually, it's the same writers. So yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, it is rude.
0: And I'll probably go off on one. But first, uh, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know, like. If it's the language or maybe the themes, possibly the themes because they're kind of war and mm. stuff, but we'll come mm. back to that. Um, yeah, we'll read through it in a second. You'll maybe be able to hear why it, it felt like something older in my head. Mm-hmm. So it was written in 2005. I discovered it several years ago, um, but it's been a firm <clears throat> favorite ever yep. since I first sang it. Yeah. I think the best place is to start with the lyrics. Yeah. So
1: would you mind reading those? No problem. O church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong and the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth, we'll stand against the devil's lies. An army bold, whose battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. Our call to war. To love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor. And with the sword that makes the wounded whole, we will fight with faith and valor. When faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure. And Christ will have the prize for which he died, an inheritance of nations. Come see the cross where love and mercy meet, as the Son of God is stricken, Then see his foes lie crushed beneath his feet, for the conqueror has risen. And as the stone is rolled away and Christ emerges from the grave, this victory march continues till the day. Every eye and heart shall see him. So, Spirit, come, put strength in every stride, give grace for every hurdle, that we may run with faith to win the prize of a servant good and faithful, as saints of old Till line still line the way, retelling triumphs of his grace, we hear their calls and hunger for the day when with Christ we stand in glory. It ends in glory, guys. It does
0: (laughs) I love it. I just ah So much goodness in that hymn. Before we start, I'll put you out of your misery. I just wanted to mention something that I read online because we all know how infallible the internet is. Yes. I was reading this guy who was talking about Will Church Arise and he said it was, quote, an almost identical twin to In Christ Alone because the same people wrote it in the same key to the same meter. Oh. I disagree. Is it the same meter? (laughs) <laughs> I tried singing both to the tune of the other and I'm pretty sure Oh Christ Oh uh, sorry Oh Church arise I was going to say Oh Christ arise
1: <laughs> He's gotten into her, into your head <laughs> in church
0: alone Yeah Anyway so Oh Church arise I'm pretty sure has a 10 8 10 8 syllable pattern in the first four lines mm-hmm. and then four lines with Eight syllables, but yeah. in Christ alone is eight lines of eight syllables. Because if you say it out loud, Oh, church, arise and put your armor on, that's mm-hmm, ten. Mm-hmm. Hear the call of Christ, our captain, that's mm-hmm, eight. Mm-hmm. And then it does the same thing, and it's mm-hmm. eight and eight. In Christ alone, our hope is found. Yeah. That's eight. Yeah. He is our hope, our strength, our song. That's eight.
1: I mean, even as I was reading it, I was like, Oh, th- this meter does something. F- funky at the last half of each verse
0: it shortens the yeah so it's like an a b a b c d c d and the c's if they were going to match the a's would be 10 but they're actually two syllables shorter yeah yeah
1: so that guys did wrong.
0: He wrong. He's wrong <laughs> on a bunch of levels. Mm-hmm. At which point it's just the key and the songwriter that they have in common. In which case, if we're going to make <laughs> comparisons like that, I mean, Oh Church Arise is really really similar to Pachelbel's Canon because <laughs> they're written in D.
1: Um, <laughs>
0: so maybe it was just a poor attempt to copy Bell's canon who knows
1: No, no. no you no. can hear it I mean well when you said that I was like the subject matter is not the same at all but maybe I'm going crazy here no, and I need to reread it yeah okay good just having a I, i'm just yeah i'm just going <laughs> off on
0: one because i feel a need to defend this song yeah and maybe a little bit the songwriters as well yeah because i love this song and i would argue that it's not a poor attempt at mimicking the success of in christ alone by using the same formula or as my new internet nemesis says a cheap sequel <laughs> <laughs> i'm taking a deep breath <sighs> In my humble, uneducated opinion, O Church Revise stands on its own two feet yeah. and it's a great song and it's complimentary to In Christ Alone, mm-hmm. but it's 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 completely its own it's its thing. Own thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you're wrong. I agree. But you probably don't listen to my podcast. <laughs>
1: We'll send. We'll find the comment and put it as a yeah. I'll sub, go back, subtweet, find the blog and be like,
0: eh, listen to this," because that's my favorite thing when people do that in comments, where they're like, "Yeah, actually, I wrote a book," yeah. and you're like, "Oh no, oh no." Anyway, back on track to yeah. this wonderful hymn. Yeah, haters gonna hate. Mm. Nowadays, actually, even historically, come to think of it, we have a lot of hymns that put an emphasis on personal faith, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. Um. But we're also called to be Christ's body, the Mm -hmm, church. mm -hmm. And so one of the strengths of this hymn is that it does focus on the church as a body. Yeah. Rather than as me, on me as an individual believer. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a place for both, but it's one thing I love about this hymn. Yeah. We also have that militant Christianity feel in this one. Uh Uh-oh. Do you remember what that hymn was? I was trying to remember when I was researching this and there was one of the hymns that we talked about quite a while ago
1: muscular christianity muscular christianity that was the one let me see if i could find it i i know i just saw it i was like i knew it wasn't militant but i was like it's something m like muscular yeah we it was like i think this is like an actual thing like a in criticism of not criticism yeah like critiques of christianity in a certain era Yes. of which I clearly um, know a lot about. It's called muscular Christianity, and it has yeah, definition and everything. It, it tends
0: to come with the accusations that something's overly aggressive. Usually, um, it's it's the war imagery or the armor imagery or the mm-hmm. you know the fighting the good fight of faith yeah. imagery. Um, and I wondered if the war imagery was what made it, this particular song feel older because it's not really a common or comfortable theme these days.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Uh, I think a lot of people feel very uncomfortable with the idea of fighting because, you know, we're supposed to be loving and tolerant and peaceful and all that. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I know where this episode... I know exactly where I saw it. So I have to go there and uh, find it. It I, was
0: an older one. It was one that you did.
1: Yep. It was one that had my face on the thumbnail. That's why. That's why I'm remembering it because I'm so vain. And... It was something like, it was something like, blah, 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 muscular Christianity, da, 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 da. Yep. And I just saw it when I was looking through our episodes um, a few days ago, doing a bit of research. And where yeah, is Yeah, I can it?
0: remember the vibe of the, yeah. <laughs> the um, YouTube thumbnail, but I can't through the life me remember the hymn. Praise to the Lord Almighty. The King of Creation, that one. Yeah. Oh, that's because it was done by uh, Joachim Neander and it was the Neander Valley where they found the Neanderthals.
1: It's all coming together. We remembered. We got there in the end. I knew it was one that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, because the lyrics to that song, I guess, supposedly are like too triumphant and they're too like, I guess maybe what would a lot of American hymns would be accused of nowadays it's like it's too like you know um we're the greatest and we're gonna win and we're gonna win yeah. the battle or whatever
0: muscular christianity that's what we've got here <laughs> the more you know <laughs> yeah so uh yeah some of the language you've you've got um in the first verse you got this call to anguish anguish call to action oh my mm-hmm. goodness mm-hmm. Church, get up, get ready for battle. Your captain's rallying you, you're his troops. But we're not just called by Christ, we're equipped by him. Mm-hmm. And this verse is based on Ephesians six ten to 20. Monet, could you remind us of that fantastic passage? Yeah,
1: finally. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly, as I ought to speak.
0: Yep. Amen. It's a longer passage, but it's worth reading. Oh, yeah. Well, all scripture is worth reading, but in this context, with the this particular verse, is worth reading. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got references to things like the shield of faith and belt of truth
1: mm-hmm. in
0: this um, in this verse, and then you've got standing against the devil's lies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're called to battle in this verse, but we're also reminded of, uh, who's leading us and how he equips us. Mm-hmm. Like we're not sent into battle with a wooden sword; we're Mm-mm. sent in with everything we need. It's also worth noting in our day and age that there's there's this strange contrast in our battle cry being love. Mm. And it got me thinking that this is true and maybe we need to reclaim that battle cry because it's largely been stolen from us by the LGBT guys mm. who use it to argue for all sorts of evil things that definitely aren't love or mm. loving. No. But we have the real thing. And so... You know, we have the love of God in Christ Jesus and the redemption that comes with that. And that's our battle cry. It's the name in which we fight. And it's the name by whose power we are called out of darkness. Mm -hmm. So it's ours. You can't have it.
1: Amen. You know, um, somebody said recently, and they were talking about kind of the transgender movement, and they were saying how God made women. And so he has a right. To define who they are, uh, because obviously, when we start to question gender and all that stuff, the, the first thing to throw away is the Bible, because the Bible is very clear that man and um, and woman were made in the image of God, and that's the only sexes and related yeah. genders that there are. And similarly, God is love. So he has the right to define what that is. Yeah. And his people are the people to be showing the world, this world that has all kinds of upside down views of what love is, what love actually is. If you think about it,
0: what they say doesn't even make sense. We're on a slight tangent here, but (laughs) it's got meat on it. Let's just follow it. Like When you say something like, oh, love is love, you know... Think about it. Hamsters are hamsters. Pepsi is Pepsi. Like yeah. what exactly are you saying here?
1: But our culture loves to define words using the words because they don't have any any foundation. They don't have any center. So when they're challenged, like what is a woman? Or like, well a woman is a woman. Well what is that? Well, someone who identifies as a woman. Well what is that? What, what they is they a woman? As. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's just how our culture is completely lost its sense. When we talk about love, and we say God is love, okay. Well, that's actually a definition that's not using the yeah. word to describe itself. Well then, well then, what is God, or more appropriately, who Who's is God? God? And knowing His character and knowing His word mm. is how you glean what love is, um, and, and and that's
0: unchanging because yes. God's unchanging. Yes.
1: Absolutely. And,
0: and to say, like, how can your battle cry be love? Because fighting is not very loving. Yeah. And my answer to that is, do you know what? If you came in here and, like, started smacking Monet's son about, I would... <laughs> I would take a lamp or something or ball or like smash over your head. Like there would be a fight on your hands. Mm. And the reason for that is like, he's not my kid, but like, I love him. (laughs) And so, you know, I appreciate that. (laughs) that (laughs) Well, I wouldn't be the only one, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but there would be a fight on your hands if you ever tried to harm that child. Mm. And the truth is that's because I love him and Mm. we both love him, Mm. of course. Yes. Um, But, you know, you can't say, That there is no fighting in love because when you love someone or something, you will fight for it Mm -hmm. to protect it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's just worth saying is like, Mm -hmm. yes, our battle cry is love. Mm -hmm. That love is a very specific thing. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And we're fighting
1: because it matters. Yeah. And our battle cry, you know, I think of don't yell at me i do think of Braveheart <laughs> when he's like
0: they can't freedom. take that. freedom but that's right? true because freedom right? is what they're fighting for that's what they're
1: fighting for so if our battle cry is love and god is love like it puts it into perspective of who we're like who we're in this battle for mm-hmm. and who actually like what is actually in the center of our hearts and in the center of our will when it comes to the battle so you know, God is love, and um, his his word is truth, and his word is powerful. And obviously, there's so many different ways that he and his word are described in scripture, um, and that's the core yeah. of the battle that we're in is him. It's It's God and he's already won. So our battle cry is really victory, you know, in in this sense. And
0: and like it says in verse two, like we love the captive soul. Mm -hmm. And so we fight for them Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So in the second verse, you do get a repeat of the call to war Mm -hmm. and it may make some people feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And the idea of fighting is uncomfortable and it should be because it's not a pleasant thing. Mm -mm. But it should be something that the world understands because the purpose here is the release of captive souls, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's raging against the captor. Mm-hmm. So we have so many movies about this
1: Taken, Taken, <laughs> the Saving best film Private ever? Ryan,
0: Black Hawk Down. <laughs> like they're all movies where someone, I was thinking particularly Saving Private Ryan and Black Hawk Down because they're war stories. Yeah. So they fit the kind of mm-hmm. specific circumstances. But yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. There's there's a bunch. There's like taken,
1: there's taken to the taken to.
0: <laughs> Fast and taken.
1: <laughs>
0: anyway. Um, Which it, that side should be note, taken and furious. <laughs> side, side
1: note, this this taken specifically, not like Black Hawk Down, where it's like actually like a team or a or a an army or whatever going against the captors. But those kind of like one guy shoot him up films are like, I they're just like a staple. My husband hates those films so, so much because he's like, it's so unrealistic. But the reason why I like them is for this reason, is that you see someone's passionate heart. Yeah. Like for the one who has been taken captive and how they will stop at nothing to get them, you yeah. know, to get them back, to release them, to free um, them.
0: I love those because they're... A- well, I don't love them, but, like, I enjoy those films more because enjoy. I'm, like, you really love this person. And mm-hmm. you're, like, I can root for that. Yeah. I don't like the ones where the person's already dead and it's a revenge vendetta. No, no, no. But that's, that, like, a that. whole, that's, that's a whole no, other, maybe we could do no TR on yeah.
1: that. Yeah, we'll do Okay, one so record. the
0: point being, like, we have secular movies about this, yeah. like, Saving Private Ryan Black Hawk Down. They're both about teams of soldiers sort mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. more or less don't at me who <laughs> go into the thick of battle to rescue captives and bring them home safely yeah and that's what jesus did for us mm-hmm. so if you're ever trying to evangelize someone just use black hawk down or something yes. which has baby orlando bloom in it Aww. he falls out of a helicopter in i think anyway <laughs> i think the reference to the sword here the sword that makes the cap the wounded hole which is another weird like Well, it's not an oxymoron because it's true, but it's this bizarre, swords are for killing people. Paradox. Paradox, that's That's the word. word. Uh, Yeah. So I think the reference to the sword is probably Hebrews 4.12.
1: Oh, yes, I will read it. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart.
0: Yeah. There's just, there's a lot of language in this hymn that shows kind of the upside down paradoxical mm-hmm. nature of the gospel. So you've got the weak who are strong. You've got the battle cry, which is love. You've mm-hmm. got the sword that makes the wounded whole. You've got the son that's stricken, but his foes lie crushed. And, you know, it's just bizarre in some ways, but it's true. And it's the truth of the gospel. So verse two itself is really encouraging because we have these trials and problems surrounding us on all sides. And in theory, that should frighten and discourage us. But mm. in reality, we already know the outcome, like Monet said. Like, mm. if you want some verses that will remind you of that, I'm just going to rattle them off. You can look them up later. Mm. But Ephesians 2, 19 to 22 tells us that we have a solid, unmoving, unbreakable foundation for our faith. The church isn't going anywhere. And Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 tells us that Christ has already won the prize and that we are unchangeably his, which is also backed up by Ephesians 1, Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of good stuff in there. I think when you first sing it or read it, you kind of think, "Oh, that's nice." And then <laughs> oh, That's nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had to. If you get it. If you, get if it, you know, you, you get know.
0: It. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so I've totally lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, so you sorry. think that's nice? <laughs> <laughs> it's Karamona in the morning. Yeah,
1: basically. Goodness gracious.
0: Um, yeah, you think that's nice. But when you actually kind of think through what the lyrics are saying, it's really interesting just how how deep they can be. Mm-hmm. So then you've got verse three about Christ's death and resurrection. And it almost feels like a shift in focus for a second, Because a verse ago, we were like strapping on armor, waving our swords around Mm -hmm. and calling the captives of freedom. And now we're being asked to look at where Christ died. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is such a well-written, clever song. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: When you think about it, we're taking a moment out. It's a pivotal moment in the war that we're focusing on. So anyone who knows me knows that I don't sign up to the idea that Narnia is... Completely Christian allegory. Um, but right here in this verse is that mm. slow motion bit in the Line The Witch in the Wardrobe, where you know, Peter and Edmund are looking around the battle and they're like, Oh, all is lost. Mm-hmm. And then you get like the shot of Aslan just bounding into the yeah. fray, and they're like, Yes. Anyway <laughs> <laughs> that's this verse. Like yeah. Jesus was stricken, but he was not defeated. Mm. And we see that in Isaiah fifty three, four to five.
1: Yes.
0: He may have looked defeated as he died, but he rose again in victory. And that's why this hymn has so much certainty. Like, we're taking this verse out to look at this because the war was won 2,000 years ago when Christ rose victorious over sin and death in the grave. And that's never going to change. So like Monet said earlier, the outcomes, like, there's no question about it.
1: I will say that as you go through this, to pick up on Narnia, the movie this this hymn is very cinematic mm. it is it is it kind of it, i mean obviously it's pulling very heavily from scripture and scripture is so visual in the way that it describes our faith but it tells a great oh story. yeah it like, tells a great story. well
0: it's not really a story but there's this kind of narrative it almost follows the church through history yeah. um it, it just it has a flow doesn't it and mm-hmm. a progress progressive line of thought mm-hmm. it's very good five stars getty and <laughs> town end anyway the final verse is great it looks forward to mm-hmm. glory because we have a future and the day will come when every eye, eye and heart will see him but that day is not yet and there are still trials on every side and it's easy to grow tired and the truth is that we can't <laughs> do this in our own strength um, amen <laughs> right? i know you're feeling it out there <laughs> on the internet anyway so this verse appeals to the promised helper that is the holy spirit mm-hmm. and so we ask for renewed strength and grace because we don't clear every hurdle Mm-mm. you know it talks about uh give us grace for every hurdle and the truth is that that's because we fall at some of them mm-hmm. um but we do keep going because we have the spirit's help mm-hmm and John twelve twenty six is a good encouragement in this
1: if anyone serves me he must follow me and where I am there will my servant be also if anyone serves me the father will honor him
0: yeah it doesn't say if anyone serves me perfectly <laughs> just to say because you ain't. ain't gonna Mm-mm. just don't even go there um but there, there's grace for that.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I love the image of the saints of old lining the way, retelling triumphs of his grace. And I think this comes from Hebrews 12, 1, but you could read 1 to 2.
1: Sure thing. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God.
0: It's beautiful. You know, as I was writing this, I was thinking about like, people who maybe we don't really talk to anymore because of differences and things, Mm -hmm. but I would still call them brother. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, you know, that's going to be such a great day Mm -hmm. when like Christ comes back and we go to glory and we're reconciled. And Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, you are my brother. And Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's going to be fixed one day. And that just made me Simultaneously sad and happy. <laughs>
1: Amen. I mean, we've taught, we we might've even said this on the show, but the trials that we endure in this life, as particularly amongst other believers, people who we believe are truly saved, mm-hmm. they make me long for Christ's yeah. return because... It's about perspective when you are standing in the presence of the Lord and you're mm-hmm. seeing all of his glory the the trials and the and the um, conflicts of this world just, They just disappear.
0: So, like, there's nothing quite as grievous as enmity... I can't say that word. Enmity. Enmity with a brother, because that's just not how it's supposed to be. No. Um, But anyway, I was, like, reflecting on that as I read this. Yeah. But, uh yeah in a broader sense we are surrounded by the testimonies of those who went before us Mm -hmm. who have suffered just like we're suffering now Mm. uh, and who have fought the good fight they've finished the race they've kept the faith proving that God is faithful to keep us who are still running to the end Mm. and their stories urge us on and we hear them and we long for the day like we just said when we'll join in that cloud of witnesses Mm -hmm. and we'll be with our savior at last and that uh, we're reminded that in Hebrews 10, 23.
1: Oh, what a great book. Mm-hmm. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful.
0: Yeah. So just some overall thoughts on this hymn to finish. It's so encouraging. I feel like when I sing it, especially this, uh, not the cinematic version, the orchestral version, mm, where oh. it gets like,
1: Ooh, yes, wow.
0: I'm like, <laughs> I want... To someone to write like a christian musical and then that's the finale where it's all orchestrated and like that's Mm -hmm. their um Mm
1: -hmm.
0: final song anyway um yeah this song it does it rouses us from apathy and it can rouse us also from things like self-pity and discouragement Mm -hmm. and it reminds us that we are part of something bigger not to be cheesy but we are like we're part of the church big c
1: yeah
0: and um we have that mission and um, we mustn't give up, but this isn't like a meaningless call to fight just for the sake of fisticuffs or to throw our lives away in the hope that it means something. No. Like we know who we fight for and we already know the outcome. So mm-hmm. as we finish up, uh, I just want to mention that one of the things I really like about this song, I like a lot of things about mm-hmm. it, but one of the things I, I like is that I think men can feel it. I uh, can oh. feel it, oh, yeah. can sing it. They can feel it. They can sing it without feeling embarrassed. Oh yeah. Um, and just to qualify it's that... because it's so
1: muscular. It's so muscular
0: and rugged. Makes you want to chop wood <laughs> in a forest somewhere. Anyway, there are a lot of songs out there, old and new, uh, that feel kind of like soft yeah. and on the girly side a little bit. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong in men having emotions and being tender. They should be. But there's also a place for this call to battle in the Christian life mm-hmm. and the call to fight for what is right and to wage war against the foe. And we win so
1: amen yeah amen to that and this is a really good hymn if you've never heard of this hymn i really suggest um looking up a recording maybe we'll include one in the description um yeah. because yes there is a version that i've heard just recently with we sang the, it
0: in family devos because yes
1: it was yeah. really really beautiful and like i mean the full orchestra just kind of you know good night that was that really put was, the cherry just on top. like
0: where is yeah. my sword like yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go gonna go let's go.
1: Yes but we do have this call in in our Christian faith and this is a very encouraging hymn to sing no matter where you are in terms of joy sadness you know feeling discouraged feeling encouraged. Feeling it,
0: tired I mean yeah yeah.
1: It lets you know that you are actually linking arms with Christians all throughout history um, in this battle that our Savior has definitively won. And uh, we're playing our part, and it's great to be on the winning side. (laughs) So uh, praise the Lord for this hymn, and I thank you, Carr, for taking us through it in such detail today. Next week, we have a really, really fun episode for you. Uh, Like always, our subscribers to our newsletter are going to get the lowdown first. So make sure you go over to HimPartial.com, sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Even better, become a Kofi member and give us a little of that cash money so we can keep the lights on and we can Mm -hmm. continue bringing you really really interesting and fun content we have so many ideas guys it's insane and i'm like this would be great let's do this we want to travel we want to show you some stuff but it it costs money to do that so why don't you go over to koficom slash impartial Become a Kofi member, buy us a coffee, whatever the thing is this week, I forgot. And and consider supporting us in that way because it really, really does help. Mm -hmm. Um, But until next time, we pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you. Bye. Bye.